Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. We're back once again here in the month of March. The Ides of March are approaching. It's when, it's when Caesar died, so watch your back. And they've got the usual crew here. I'm a League Lady Six, and I am joined by my good friend Tactic. Hey, how's it going? And Nerd Bomber. Hello, hello, everybody. Now, have either of you, either of you, ever been stabbed in the back by your best friend? No. I don't that think you know of. so. I hope not. Dear best friends, please don't stab me. Did you read that play in, in high school or am I, am I speaking? Do you have no idea what I'm talking about? I think if we would have read that play. So I was not a play person in high school. I would read all we of the to. novels, but I know we had to, but I would spark note the crap out of them. And so I don't remember them at all. Like novels I vividly remember reading in high school because I actually read them. But anything I spark noted is just like in one eyeball out the other. So Wow, that's an interesting <laughs> image. I was going to say in one ear and out the other, but then I realized I was reading it and not listening to a spark note so so you're making a confession here on this podcast however many years later that you you committed academic dishonesty in high school is there anything else you want to confess to at this point or you leave it for later honestly that was pretty much it i played also a lot of video games on my ti-84 silver plus uh black buddy or whatever it was called i do want to say all of my friends stabbed me in the chest and made sure they knew where they were stabbing me that's what? a quote of from what Oh, new show we were watching, by the way. Hint, is hint, that shove, a, shove. Is that a... Oh man, I've definitely... Is it Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Because I, I definitely know that quote. Nope. It was more... It was much more a devious and dramatic of a show than that. Crap. Well... You'll find you'll out in what you do. Yeah, you'll have to tell me later. We are going to talk about what we've been up to, but first we're going to go through our usual slate of news. Well, I guess it's not our usual slate because it's we changed the news since last week. We're not going to talk about the same stuff. The Artemis Fowl trailer came out yesterday. We're going to be talking a bit about that. We're going to be talking about some Uncharted production news, which for those of you who have been listening for a while, you know that I'm a big Uncharted fan, so I've been kind of tracking that with great interest. And then we're going to be talking about this big Apple class action lawsuit that maybe you've heard about if you're a, an iPhone user. But we can we can dive right in with this Artemis Fowl trailer. Now, this is not the first trailer for this movie. I believe a teaser was released sometime last year, quite a while ago, like six months. And I want to say at one point production was delayed, but we saw another trailer for Artemis Fowl. Uh, I think it was yesterday. But in any case, did you guys read the books when you were kids? Let's start there. So I think I read the books. I own the book for sure, at least the first one. It was the shiny gold cover. It was like oh, super hyped when we were kids. Ever. I feel like everybody was reading those books. They were kind of on par with Harry Potter and Redwall in terms of like books that kids obsessed about whenever oh, you go to the school library. You know, like those were always the ones checked out. And I just... I have the book and I don't think I ever actually read it. There was some reason I couldn't get into it and I don't know what it was. I just remember not really liking it and then pretending to for, I guess, more, you know, more school day academic, not really dishonesty because I just didn't like the books, but I pretended to. So call me uncultured, but not only did I not read this book, but I had never heard about it until this trailer was released. And so... Wow. I'm kind of intrigued that you said it came out around the same time as Harry Potter and, and, and things like that. Simply because it seemed to me like it was, well, the Harry Potter, se- se- like the main series that we knew and love is over. So we're going to try to do this in the wake of that to, to get a different fan base going that kind of loved that same shtick. And no, so if anything, it came out before, I'm looking it up now, but if anything, I think it came out before Harry Potter came out or like right around the same time, like you said. This is crazy. I was not expecting this. I have to be honest um, when I mentioned this as a potential topic of discussion. So I actually had a very similar experience to you, Nerd Bomber, where I 
I owned the book because it was, again, it was that super cool, shiny cover and you just, you had to, you know. Uh, it was always at the Scholastic it, Book Fair, just like it was always at the book you. fair. It was always in the front row of the of, of like the Walden books. There's another really dated reference, and you had to have it if you were if you were 12 year old me. You had to have it. So I bought it, and I maybe got halfway through it. And I couldn't do it. And suffice to say, the trailer for me, even just the trailer, not the whole movie, is a similar experience. Like it's just didn't I just do don't understand. I just don't understand what is, I don't know what's going on. And then the things, the main thing I want to talk about and the main thing that made me, I watched the trailer and I was like, we need to talk about this is the, the use of what song is this in the background? Cause it's almost as bad as, uh, I remember when one of the Sonic trailers came out, it was getting a lot of grief because it used gangster's paradise. And this is like so tonally bad. It's like this little kid walking around in a tuxedo with fairies and like some guy rapping in the background. Did you guys not notice this? I did oh, notice it, and I had the same thought that the soundtrack was a bit off for the tone of the movie. It should have been more of, a, I guess, an epic kind of tone. Right. I think that would have fit better. And I don't really know who it's appealing to. I, and that's what I, I struggle with. I think, I mean, I think Nerdbomber said earlier, I think she nailed it, which is, it's trying to grab the Harry Potter audience. But it, but it's doing so in a very strange way and a very different way. Like my understanding of of the Artemis Fowl universe, and and I'm sure some listeners out there who are fans will probably find a way to prove us wrong. Hit us up on Twitter. He's a criminal mastermind. He, okay, his dad is a criminal. I mean, they kind of laid it out in the trailer. His dad's a criminal mastermind. I'm all about dad, that storyline. By the way, the dad's story seemed way cooler. Something well, even if it's the same thing, it just seemed cooler to me. And the, and uh, yeah, and, and the main point I'm driving at here is you have that storyline, which is he's a criminal mastermind, and his dad's a criminal mastermind, and then you have another, I guess, part of it storyline, which is magic and fairies and mythical beings everywhere, and I don't know how well those two things mesh. And I, thinking back again to twelve year old me, I think that's probably what happened. I think I was like, I because I I used to read spy books. I was super into um, the Alex Ryder series. If you know that one. Oh yeah, those were good. I love the Alex Ryder series, and I loved Harry Potter. And in theory, maybe this is supposed to be a merger between those two. But what I this don't I don't know how possible that is. This felt a lot like, and I don't know if you guys saw this movie, A Wrinkle in Time. So I never did, but it, it that got middling reviews, and that was also super expensive. It was also a, a Disney production. Yeah, like the whatever other world or other dimension they're going into into this trailer and like the fairies and everything that just it's, sparks these memories of a wrinkle of t- in time, which I guess it wasn't a bad movie. My mom really liked it. I didn't dislike it. It was just like, OK, but for like all the hype that it garnered before the movie actually released, I didn't think it lived up to it at all. And I have a feeling like this is going to go the same route. Yeah. So and I'm I'm scrolling through an article from Ars Technica and I want to mention something that this writer is this writer's saying. Uh, apparently, when the first teaser dropped way back, she said, a fairly accurate description of Artemis Fowl is he's the anti-Harry Potter. He's a thief and a kidnapper, among other misdeeds, and is largely untroubled by remorse. That's part of his charm. I don't think when I was a kid, I'm not sure I had an easy time finding the charm in, like, kidnapping. You know? I was probably afraid of being kidnapped, right? Well, that's the thing. Like, this kid has the swagger, and I think the character 
did too to a certain extent in the books but this kid in the trailer has the swagger of like a spy which is not what I want from my boy heroine maybe some people do in their children's movies but I always found it more relatable to have your kid like Harry Potter your main star who's kind of like fallible and also like normal he's humble doesn't necessarily think he's like the crap you know but I don't know you you kind of raise an interesting point because like when I think about film characters that have most resonated with me like okay take iron man for example whether you're team iron man or team cap iron man has to be the most unrelatable character in the history of characters so fun fact about iron man he was the birth of a bet between stanley and i I forget the other name but the task was kirby probably make a character that everyone should hate but loves so exactly exactly it's he has this anti-hero thing going on and on top of that like you mentioned harry potter being this fallible character and one who's you know especially as a teenage boy reading the books so he's a lot easier to relate to iron man whether you're a grown man or a boy or whatever least relatable relatable character in the world because he's super rich and he has all these all this know-how that you'll just never have and when i look at artemis fowl i kind of see the same thing where harry potter was this very human character right he was this he was this boy who learned along with all of us that magic existed and that he was capable of it. Artemis Fowl is, I guess, kind of learning about the magic, but at the same time, he's like this super spy, extremely rich kid wearing a men in black suit, walking around with this like out of control strut. And I don't know, like it's, it's a tricky balance between, it's a tricky balance they're trying to strike between creating a character that all kids wish they were and all in a character that all kids feel like they are. Harry Potter is the gold standard for that. Right. Iron Man really found its balance because even though he was totally unrelatable, at the same time he had the human characteristics like he was struggling with his morality, like he didn't want to necessarily be the bad guy even though he was an arms dealer and he did want to do something for good at the end of the day and he was grappling with his own personal success versus how that rippled out into the world and had after effects. And I think that inherently made iron man actually likable because okay yeah he was kind of a cocky douchebag but at the end of the day he still had like feelings where maybe this kid will get developed more as a character but right now from this trailer he just seems like the cocky douchebag without that grounding in morality like he has it all what what is there to connect me to this kid and make me actually like him well right you you need you need a redemption arc that another key to this too is that so we were talking about Artemis Fowl, like it was one book or maybe a few books. There were eight of these. I don't remember there being eight of them. I remember there being more than one, but eight's a lot. So I remember a blue shiny cover. I remember the blue one. There was probably a green one. But after that, I make, I guess they would have gone red. I mean, there's a lot of colors left. But the point I'm trying to make is that it seems like Disney is trying to... I mean, okay, okay, every movie that Disney makes now is trying to be a universe, right? And this is their latest attempt at that. They figure eight books, maybe eight movies... And we can get a lot of mileage out of this and a lot of money out of it. You need, like you were just saying with Iron Man, you need Artemis Fowl to have some kind of redemption arc. Iron Man managed, not only did he have a redemption arc throughout the entire MCU in a sense, but he had a redemption arc that spanned one movie. And that, like you said, that was what made him likable. They're going to have to be really careful about this. If they decide to, you know, either lean all the way into the fact that he's kind of this like, I'm sorry, douchey kid. Or if they're going to try and give him some sort of redemptive arc where he, you know, I guess realizes that, I don't know, being a criminal isn't the right thing. I, it, it's, 
again, this trailer, if you haven't watched the trailer, go watch it because there's a lot to absorb. But I don't know. I guess I'm still have, I'm still struggling to process it. Tactic, I think where the are you only at? path to success for this movie is for him to embrace the douchey kid and and hopefully to become this maddened person of power. I just, knowing the way that the books went, I don't think that's going to happen. Like, I don't think he'll be like a mad, power-hungry person because otherwise I don't think you'd get eight books worth of story out of it. But I do wonder if we're like overthinking it as adults. Like, if you're a kid, do you care? You're just in it to have a good time. Like, I remember we went to watch Spy Kids as kids and like it didn't have this great depth of character. Spy like, Kids was the best. Like, it was, oh they gosh. were, we enjoyed them. They were entertaining. The major topic of this episode. There was a lot of... Like, even Shark Boy and Lava Girl. That was just this weird outlandish thing that happened and was colorful and entertaining and lots of action and young Taylor Lautner. And people were entertained and it made a decent amount of money for what it was. Like, maybe we're overthinking this as adults. Maybe kids don't care if their characters have depth. That's a very good point. And there's, there's probably an undercurrent here that we'll have to address on a future episode, hopefully in the far future, of like... How do parents <laughs> how do parents go to movies like that and have a good time? Like I, I, I can't imagine being my dad and taking me to go see Spy Kids. Spy Kids three D. And like watching like even now when I, I'm I'm still basically a kid and when I think back to Spy Kids, at the time, of course, I was having the time of my life. But now when I think about it, I'm like, what a ridiculous movie. Like what an absolutely absurd movie and my dad was sitting there going well, I mean, this is this is one way to spend an evening. Like, I just, I, you know what I mean? Like, how is that going to be? I mean, I think that just goes to show, though, how great at storytelling Disney and Pixar are. Pixar, besides, yeah. besides this, because obviously this is a Disney movie, but for the majority of the Disney and Pixar movies that get released, there's at least some appealing element to adults. So maybe we're underselling Disney. Maybe there will be some kind of balance so that kids can like their cocky douchebag wonder kid and the adults will get something out of it too. I'm not really sure what it is at this point because <laughs> right. this just this trailer just doesn't appeal to me. I didn't like the book, so I, I don't think I'll like the movie, but maybe there is something there for me. Disney has surprised me before. Another example I'd point to in terms of, so you mentioned like Pixar as being kind of this these movies that please everybody right and there's another pixar movie coming out next week but pirates of the caribbean is another one that now granted it's overstayed it's welcome and it should have ended like three movies ago but that first movie that they did something there they captured something that was amazing in that that was that was a, a kind of the, the converse to what i was saying before which is i watched that when i was a kid i actually saw that movie like four times in theaters i was super into it and my parents went me went with me multiple times and they loved it too because it was like it just scratched all the right itches i think for anyone who would go to see it and it's probably really hard to do that i'm not even sure to what extent harry potter did that i think it did a generally good job at it especially towards the end but i don't know if i could say that my parents enjoyed watching harry potter i don't think they I, did i think my parents it see this it, you don't think about stuff like this very often like and also by the time harry potter 8 came out we were like, weren't we in college? I think we were in college. Yeah, we were so, old. So, so like, it was this, you know, it's so, it spanned like an entire generation. So it's hard to say, like, I can imagine my parents might have been watching Harry Potter one or two and been like, all right, this is, it's a little boring. But at the same time, adults would like pick up the books and read the books and be enraptured by them. So That's I don't know. True. 
if if we're holding Artemis Fowl to like the Harry Potter standard or the Pirates of the Caribbean standard or the Pixar standard, big shoes to fill, extremely large shoes to fill, and like it might not be fair of us to expect that, but I feel like we have to put this at like Percy Jackson film type level. Like Percy Jackson was a good film, but it never took off like Harry Potter's franchise did in terms of like the films. Like it's it's out there in the world. People enjoyed it but it didn't like rock anybody's socks enough to the point where it's still around. You know what I mean? Right. I feel like this is going to be one of those. Another example that I would, that would come to mind would be Aragon, which I read all, I read the Aragon books and I love them. I don't know if you guys did, but the movie Ugh. just did not. Just yeah. That did, had a lot didn't of potential do to do a lot better than it actually did. That movie literally came out when Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter were at their peak. It should have been done so much better. Yeah, like how did they mess that up so bad? Those books were cultural phenomenons. Probably, I would say, equal to the level of Harry Potter fervor. People were obsessed with those books. There were, that those books, if you you haven't read the Aragon books, I I think that's another situation where it might not even matter how old you are. They're worth your time. Like they're extremely well written. They were written by essentially a kid. The kid was like 18 years old when he wrote them, but really, really good fantasy world building, really, really good characters. And yeah, if you like Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, if you like fantasy stuff like that, you would get a lot out of that. But the movie just, I don't know what happened. So, you know, they changed the plot line. This is like a tangent, but they changed some of the plot line in that movie and they focused too much on like the love romance portion of the movie, which don't think even came into play until the second book it, oh, no. it was a very strange adaptation it just was and then it had an avril lavigne theme song which didn't seem to fit either so strange so I, I guess the point i'm i'm trying to make with all that is that like maybe we shouldn't be so hard on this trailer because this, this genre can probably be pretty unforgiving and like there's an element to it that's like being an adult and writing something that is supposed to appeal to children while also getting the adults to show up is probably a non-trivial challenge. But with that said, tonally, this trailer was just very strange. And it looks like there's been a lot of money injected into it. And I'm, I'm concerned. I, I'm, I'm willing to say that, that I'm concerned. I mean, I don't really care, I guess. But if I was a Disney employee, I guess I would be, I would be concerned. This movie comes out on May 29th, 2020. So quite soon boy the reviews are going to have to be have to be really good for me to go see this one (laughs) that's that's my current take what about you guys yeah i don't think i'm invested and they also did a poor job hyping it up this late in the game in my opinion well the trailers are really far apart too though like i said the last one had to be early last year like it's been a very long time so i'm not super sure what the marketing strategy was there i'm not on board with this i probably won't see it Maybe I'll catch it on HBO at some point, but right now, no plans to see it. I, I stand corrected. The first teaser dropped in November 2018. It's been almost a year and a half. That's too long. That just doesn't make any sense. A final note, uh, as I'm scrolling through this kind of article where I got that information, this is actually directed by the guy who played Gilderoy Lockhart in, in, in Harry Potter 2. Oh, really? So, there's a fun connection. Yeah, he's Kenneth... I don't know how to pronounce his name. Kenneth Branagh. He's a Scottish guy. I think he also directed, or he didn't direct Dunkirk. He was in Dunkirk. He's been in a bunch of stuff. He's directed a bunch of stuff. He is the guy from uh, Murder on the Orient Express. You get the idea. So yeah, this movie comes out uh, May 29th. So I go check it out if Artemis Fowl is your kind of thing. And if, if Artemis Fowl is your thing and we've done you dirty here, 
I would encourage you to, to go start a conversation with us on Twitter. I am at OWLegal86. We have at OWNerdBomber and at OWTechnic. And uh, it's, it's fair to say we're open to be to being educated on why we're wrong about Artemis Fowl, if, if, if we indeed are. Now, also in the realm of movies, a movie that, as I've stated many times, I'm very excited about, though I'm also quite concerned about it, is the Uncharted movie. Which, before I get to the main news here, which the main news is that Antonio Banderas has been cast, but this movie starts shooting, like, next week, and it's supposed to come out almost exactly, yeah, it'll be a year, almost a year, exactly a year. March 5th, 2021 is when the release is, that's very soon for yeah, a movie that, that has like not started filming. Crunch. So that's it's concerning. <laughs> um, well, I mean, they dragged their feet and made so many creative changes on this movie before they even started, like, thinking about filming. No wonder this yeah, thing is running so late. There have been many, many drafts of this script. Now, right now, who is attached? Uh, so it was announced just yesterday, I guess, that uh, Antonio Banderas has been cast. I presume that's in the villain role. It has to be. That's exactly be. what I was thinking. He would be an amazing villain for this. Plus, he was what made Spy Kids circling back. Man, exactly. Exactly. I, I actually, I love this. Uh, I, but to kind of cut to the chase, I love the casting of Antonio Banderas. I think he has... Whether as a an ally or a villain, I think he has exactly the right look, exactly the right, just, I don't know, kind of way about him for an adventure movie. So um, he has most recently been cast. Tom Holland, of course, is going to be playing young, young Nathan Drake, which I have mentioned that I have my issues with. And uh, Mark Wahlberg is playing Sully. So essentially they've taken all the characters, it seems like, except for maybe Antonio Banderas. They've taken all the characters and shifted them forward, I don't know, 20 years in time. Except wasn't Sully supposed to be older? That's what, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's twenty. I sh- sorry, shifting twenty years backward in time. Whatever. Oh, gotcha. Right. So they're yeah. all younger. Is my point. So because Tom I mean, Holland, I could young. see Antonio Banderas more as Sully than than Mark Wahlberg. Honestly, Ex- but exactly. Is what it is. Let's see how it pans out. Ooh, I have a new theory. Flash forwards. Antonio Banderas is going to be like telling the tale of young Tom Holland or um. Young Sully. Yes. No. Help yes, me. Young Sully. Yeah, y- young Nathan Drake. Yes, thank you. I like I, totally I, blanked. I, you know, I could definitely get on board with that. And again, I think, uh, so Antonio Banderas has the right age to play the like actual age Sully, but he doesn't have the right, Sully's like an extremely pasty dude. If you've ever played the Uncharted games, I, and his name is Victor Sullivan. I'm pretty sure he's like Irish or something. I don't, it's not really specified. Creative I could license. Definitely, creative license, fair enough. Creative license. But I could definitely see Antonio Banderas being like an older nathan drake telling a story and because yeah that's worth noting his role we don't know what it is we know that tom holland is drake we know mark Wahlberg is sully antonio banderas's role has been unspecified ruben fleischer is, is directing he was the guy who did venom and yeah it's funny this this article which is from variety which i'm reading from uh it says art markham and matt holloway wrote the most recent draft of the script uh, I, th- I there have been so many drafts of the script so I'm nervous. That's like, aside from mentioning that Antonio Banderas has been cast, I think that's good. I think the main thing I wanted to say is that I'm nervous, both because of the de-aging of the actors and we've already mentioned the extreme time crunch. Like this is... Well, I think anytime you have development hell like this in the early stages of a movie where the creative direction of the entire movie is just ping-ponging back and forth in different directions, you almost feel like the end result is going to be a shoddy mess. Because uh, like sure. it feels like this last draft has to have been slapped together by somebody, you know? Right. I, I mean, I'm thinking give... about the marketing. This is this should be a tentpole movie. I think this could, if it was done correctly, 
could be a tentpole movie. It could be an Indiana Jones style blockbuster that carries a studio for a year. And it would be Sony in this case. Carry Sony for a year. See, but I'm, that requires marketing and it requires lead time that they're just they're not going to have. So I'm going to give credit where credit is due, though. So let's talk about a recent thing that was slapped together and actually ended up doing phenomenal. Let's talk about Sonic, for example. They rushed, redid that whole movie, and it did phenomenal in box office. I think this movie is going to do great. I think it it it, it entices people who like superheroes who saw the Avengers and like Tom Holland that way. It entices gamers who played the Uncharted series. I think it's got all of the right pieces to entice people to see it independent of the quality of the film. I mean, I will say for Sonic though, like the movie was more or less in place. Like the plot was in place. A lot of the work was done. All of the real life films or scenes were filmed already. It was just going back and reanimating that Sonic. I think so. I think the Sonic comparison is going to draw. Just, I mean, based on the fact that it's a recent video game movie that's done very, very well, and like you said, the production journey of that movie was was nonlinear. I do think that the time crunch was a little bit different, and I also think that Sonic. I mean, we we talked about Sonic what an episode ago or two episodes ago. It has this nostalgia fact. Uncharted is not old enough. Uncharted Four came out like two or three years ago. I don't know exactly. It's not. There's not as much of a nostalgia boon that you can get from from Uncharted relative to Sonic. I mean, I think Uncharted is the gold standard in terms of taking a video game and turning it into a cinematic experience. Uncharted as a video game is borderline a cinematic experience. That's how it's designed. So that's another thing about, like, it shouldn't have been this hard. And it seems like it's really hard. And it just seems like it's because a lot of people are having disagreements. I imagine there's probably a huge push to to not make it the next Indiana Jones because that's not a, an original thing. But at the same time, that's what the games are, essentially. So well, they probably want to rush it too because, let's be real here, Tom Holland is getting older as we speak. If this is truly supposed to be the young Nathan Drake entire story of how he became who he is in the games, you're kind of running close to the limit on whether Tom Holland is believable as that character. Yes, and, and another thing about the kind of I, I want to touch on with the young Nathan Drake thing is, so there is a one of the games I believe it is Uncharted Four, actually features a heavy flashback component. And now, granted, I believe in those flashbacks he's significantly younger than Tom Holland is. I think he's like he's literally a kid. I think he's like fourteen or fifteen years old. But those scenes also f- heavily feature Drake's brother, who, as far as I know, is not involved in the movie. I, I think, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that there could have, there's a lot of, between the four games, there's a lot of thematic material that you could draw off of and make a perfectly good movie that not a lot of people will have seen because I don't think the overlap between the video game playing population and the movie going population is all that large. I, 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 I don't know, and I wonder this about a lot of video game movies. I wonder why they don't just take the plot like the last of us is another example same studio they could take the plot of that game and the overall experience of that game and put it on a movie screen and, and it'll do phenomenal right way, it would do very well and you, i i don't understand why they don't do that i wonder spoiled. if it would have pacing issues though because the the one thing that doesn't really translate is the fact that you spend 30 to 40 hours with these games 
and you sure. get that slow burn of character development and storytelling that you just don't get in a movie. So even if they do keep the same storyline, how are you going to condense that long interactive experience where you are basically that character and condense that into a two hour maximum movie experience? I feel like it's that's a totally where a lot of point. the work has to happen because that's got to be a terribly difficult task like how do you know what stuff to cut how do you make sure that you're not rushing development that felt so normal in a game drawn out over 10 hours like how do you pack that into something that might happen in a 10 minute scene you yeah, know what it I mean? feels like one game becomes a trilogy easily sure. um, which that brings me to my next question if you guys can pick any game ever 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 to be a perfect movie adaptation what would you pick I honestly think it would be Uncharted, and, and the reason is I you can't I think pick a Uncharted. Of, that's not fair. Unex- well, let me let me planned. can I ex- let me let me explain though. Let me explain because I have a very, I feel like I have a very good reason. So what you said about uh, you know game storylines unfolding over ten hours is very true, and I I, I do think that cause like Last of Us has a script. It was it was actually a script was written before the game was made. And but that script is super super long, and it involves a lot of activity that would take a long time on screen. So yeah, you get something that's like I don't know however long, twelve hours. With Uncharted, you can take you can from all four games, you can just pick set pieces. And a, a movie like Uncharted is going to be an action adventure treasure hunting movie that's going to be built around set pieces, right? It's going to be built around you know a car chase. It's going to be built around you know Nathan Drake running onto a runway and getting onto a plane and having a fight on the plane, like you can take those moments from the games very easily and transplant them in. And by the time you've done that for four or five of them, you have half a movie already. So for me, I would pick Uncharted personally. But what about you guys? I think for me, the biggest game in terms of cinematic and storytelling experience that I freaking love is Mass Effect. I knew you were going to say what I wanted to say. And that's like 50 hours. That's like a huge game. Oh, yeah. I honestly, instead of seeing this turn into a film, I would rather see Mass Effect undertaken as some kind of television series now that there's so many different streaming platforms. Disney Plus, if you're listening. I don't think it would fit Disney Plus. I feel like there was a lot of stuff that was going on in the Mass Effect series that was just way too deep and heavy. Like, I mean, you're basically... Disney Minus, if you're listening. (laughs) Um. But like I think something like Apple TV Plus or Hulu or one of those streaming platforms could easily take Mass Effect and build it out into something akin to Game of Thrones. I mean, there's so much content. The characters are written so amazingly. I would argue that the characters in Mass Effect are what make the trilogy so great, the original trilogy. Um, Like there's so much exploration potential. You can really, if you have a good CGI team, like the visual effects that you could pull off in a series surrounding Mass Effect would be amazing. So if someone out there wants to make a Mass Effect series, please, please, please do it. And if someone wants to make a petition to get this thing made at a studio somewhere, I will 100% sign it. Please tweet it to me and I will sign it. So that's exactly what I was going to say, because on top of the action, the exploration, it also has romance. So in that game, you could make a romantic relationship with literally anyone you want, and it'll develop and eventually, well, you know what happens. As a young teen playing that game, I looked forward to building relationships. (laughs) I was like, oh my goodness, look, you could see their legs. It was basically akin to The Sims when you did Woohoo. Um, oh, woohoo. But I that like game was, it had everything. It had exploration. It had story. It had action. It had emotion. If you made the wrong move, my gameplay, I would lose, uh, I wouldn't lose a character. Actually, Nerd Bomber lost the character. I did. 
Oh, so uh, sad. Just saying. But, it, I mean, everyone had a different version and experience of that game, and that truly makes basically an unexpected movie adaptation that no one really knows what they'd pick, and it kind of makes it like you'd go through a whole new adventure all over again. Right. Because, I mean, I know some people have played the trilogy like three or four or five times over to try to get every different possible combination and ending. I definitely didn't do that. So I think there's still element of surprise. I do think, though, that they would have to be especially careful because everyone played that game a different way, like you said. Like some people chose to go Paragon. Some people chose to go Renegade. Some people are like me, where I don't know what I want to do until I'm in the moment. And then I don't follow any specific clear path. It's just like whatever I'm feeling. Yeah. So I think they would also have to be very careful because so many people love the character of Commander Shepard and they would have to be very careful with how that character is built and portrayed in a series or film. But I still want to see it and would love it 100%. And, and it's worth noting that, well, and yeah, Mass Effect has a huge following. So there'd be a lot of people to please there, but there'd also be a lot of people whose ticket money you'd be you'd be guaranteeing. I, I, I you know, I really think that between you should go Mass back Effect, and replay it. Uh, no, that's not what I was going to say. Uh, between Mass Effect and Uncharted and even The Last of Us, to the extent we were talking about it, I'm sure that in Broom, and with Uncharted it has happened, but between even just Mass Effect and Last of Us and I'm sure many other video game franchise, franchises, conversations have happened in rooms about them. And there are probably smarter people than us who have realized that it can't be done for X and Y reasons, either correctly or incorrectly. But... um it's fun to think about and I would really love for video game adaptations to keep doing as well as Sonic has done and to, and to kind of turn that trend around, right? Because it's been historically a very bad one. Well, so, I think now that gaming is becoming, Brothers. gaming is more mainstream now than it ever has been. I mean, you literally Twitch streamers make millions of dollars to play video games. People are into the gaming culture now. It's widespread and i feel like now that these stories are getting out there and people realize that gaming is a great storytelling medium maybe moving forward we will see more adaptations well right and 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 that's another good point too is that the medium itself has evolved into this massive i mean it was like two or three years ago that we on the podcast talked about how red dead redemption 2 had like 80 out like there are these crazy immersive experiences now with very very compelling stories and it's probably a lot easier to take a game like that and make it a movie than it is to take Super Mario Brothers and make the monstrosity that they made because they really didn't have a whole lot to go on. So uh, this movie comes out, as I mentioned, March 5th, 2021. So actually sooner than you might think. So check that out. Um, And I guess I'm sure we'll keep you abreast of of any development. Hopefully we see a trailer at some point, although they haven't even started filming yet. So uh, that's not going to be for a while yet. Um, Right now, Uh, What we're going to do is we're going to take a short break to shout out our sponsors. But before we do, I would be remiss if I did not mention our good friend and Patreon producer, Mr. Ben Checkness. So uh, Ben gets a shout out every episode because he supports us on Patreon at our highest level, which is the night level. And uh, in doing so, he gets this producer shout out. He gets access to the monthly secret segment and vlog. And he also gets input into our weekly game segment and hint hint he will be coming on the show again quite soon as another component of the night perks so be on the lookout for that 
Uh, if you do not want to be as cool as Ben, because it's got to be a tough job, uh, you can also support us at the Squire level, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment and vlog. Or you can support us at the page level, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment. So if you enjoy listening and you like what we do and you want to give back in any small or large way, you can head on over to patreon.com slash online warriors podcast for more of the deets. Thank you to Ben and uh, thank you to all of you who have supported us. So right now we're going to take a quick break to shout out some of our friends. Hey everyone, my name is Josh and I'm the host of the Still Loading Podcast. On Still Loading, I talk about retro and modern video games, video game history, as well as some goofy projects such as an episode of dramatic readings of video game manuals. I've also had composers like Austin Wintory, Andrew Prollo, and Chad Sider on to talk about their upcoming projects. New episodes are released every other Sunday at 7pm Eastern Standard Time. If you want to check out the show, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back. So our last topic of the day relates to our good friend Apple and a class action lawsuit that they are now in the process of settling. So some of you may remember a couple of years back, December 2017, uh, Apple admitted that it was using software updates to slow down older iPhones uh, (gasps) soon after... A number of customers and analysts essentially showed that, like, hey, it's it's slowing stuff down. They later apologized and offered battery replacements to its customers for uh, for $80, which eventually was knocked down to $30, and which hurt their bottom line. But essentially, they got they got in trouble uh, for doing this, and it was effectively it it uh, affected the iPhone six, six plus, six S, six S plus, seven, seven plus, or SE bought before december 21st 2017 so i'm mentioning all of this specifically because uh, as i mentioned before they have a class action lawsuit against them that they have just settled which i believe happened today uh essentially apple has agreed to pay the owners of those certain iphone models 25 dollars per affected device totaling a minimum of 310 million and reaching a potential maximum of 500 million so first of all um I know I have been affected by this and I know I got, I also did the battery replacement that I mentioned too. So I'm hoping to get $25. I'm skeptical because I know like Aquifax had that whole thing happened and then like people wound up getting no money. So what's your guys read on this? Nerd Bomber, I think you have some specific anecdotal evidence here. Yeah. So I had both the iPhone six and the iPhone seven because that was back in the days before they started getting rid of that whole program where like every year you could basically trade up for a free iPhone because it, it, I don't know if they were leasing phones at the time. I think you just owned it because I had traded up my iPhone 4 to the iPhone 6 for free. And then the next year, it was just like a free trade-in. So I did both of those. And the reason that I didn't hang on to my iPhone 6 was because when the iPhone 7 came out, and I thought it was just the amount of space on my phone because I had the, the base model 8 gig, it was super slow. And I would have to delete all of my photos. I would have to delete all of my text messages. My phone would like the battery would deplete super fast. I remember you complaining about this like very vividly. That's like one of the things I remember most about the whole thing. It was really bad. So then I upgraded to the iPhone 7 and I was like, you know what? I'm going to get a bigger capacity iPhone 7. So I did that. And then 
finally, like last year, I was inspired to buy the iPhone 11 because my battery literally would die by 10 in the morning. And like, I'm not talking about me scrolling through my phone all day. I would literally get to work, put it down on my desk, and I would go to like send a text message at 10 o'clock and my battery would be at like 3% and be close to dead. So I was always tethered to a charger, which sucked. So So, I ended up buying the iPhone 11 because I didn't want to replace my battery because... I just didn't want to replace my battery. I figured, oh, this is just going to happen again. And so what you're saying is shady. It's super shady. So what you're saying is they slowed down your phone purposefully. And so you went and bought a phone with more storage (laughs) and then you got rid of that one because the battery sucked and bought an even more expensive phone. And now because of that chain reaction, they're going to pay you $25. (laughs) Pretty much. I like mean, it, it's, 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 it's hard to believe that they're, they probably don't even care about this, right? That's like my gut reaction is that we're like, oh, okay, it's a, it's a drop in the bucket. $500 million, who cares? The craziest thing to me is that I was saying this back when the iPhone 6 was still having issues. Because the thing that I would notice is that every time there was an iOS update, it got bigger and bigger. And really, like the feature set of the iOS did not increase that much. Like I would get a yes. handful more emojis. There was no reason for it to like go up a two gigs sometimes, the yeah, update I would I, take. I think I remember you explicitly saying, don't up your date your phone. It just makes it slower. Yeah, I literally, oh, yeah, no. I would I reflexively turn off the don't automatic updates. Like it's terrible. You, I should not be exposing my phone to potential virus th- threats because I'm afraid to update it. So it literally got to a point where I think I even couldn't download one of the iOS updates because there simply was not enough room, even after I deleted all of my photos and all of the texts and pretty much everything on my phone, got rid of most of the apps, and I still could not download the iOS update. So I was just like, what the the heck? It was crazy. I was saying that this is a thing that was happening for years. I still reflexively... When Apple asks me, and both my computer and my phone, if they're like, do you want a software update? I'm like, no, I know what you're doing. I <laughs> I have a thing right now that works. I want to keep it working for as long as I, as long as I can before buying some $1,000 piece of hardware. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with this. But um, The real question to me, I feel like $25 is not enough. When you look at the price jump, so for me going from the 6 to the 7, was no charge but jumping from the seven because it was free to the 11 like now i have a monthly payment i think anybody who is affected should maybe get their new phone waived or something i know that's That's pretty out there and outlandish. (laughs) it's very extreme but like there should be some kind of discount or something i don't know 25 dollars just doesn't seem like that big of a payoff well so they basically get their hands slapped and they don't even really feel it they don't really even have feeling in their hand why why wouldn't they do it again there's probably a middle ground i'm inclined to agree like 25 dollars doesn't even probably doesn't even cover one of your monthly payments like i mean will i take 25 dollars you know a, a month ago i didn't think i was getting anything so like yeah of course i'll take the 25 dollars but like it's probably they probably had the world's best lawyers in that courtroom explaining how okay each person's loss in terms of like what percentage of iPhone users wound up buying new phones because of this or like what percentage of them just had a general downgrade in the quality of their experience because of this and how do you monetize that quality downgrade and like there's all kinds of metrics associated with it I'm sure do we see any of that no so what we get is $25 was the number was decided on so take it or leave it punks we're Apple so you know that's what you get 
I don't know. I still share, I also still harbor a certain amount of uh, skepticism that this will happen just because again of what happened with Equifax when Equifax was, you remember they were forced, we talked about this on the podcast too, where they were forced to pay some absurd amount of money and then they wound up like not paying that much for reasons that currently escape me. But these things have contractual. Yeah, exactly. Too many, that was what it was. Too many people claimed it and they were like, oh, well now, you know, all the money's gone, so you each get like fifty cents or something, and it, it just turned into a, a crapshoot. So hopefully that doesn't happen with this. But we wanted to mention that on the air, uh, as a, at the very least, as a PSA to people who uh, may be affected. It's worth noting there currently, as far as I know, there's not a way to uh, like apply for this. What I, my understanding is that actually Apple is going to reach out to, to you because, of course, they know that they know everything about you, so they know that you were whether you were affected or not so they're going to manage that process themselves and i'm sure get it wildly wrong so we will see what happens but for now let's talk about what we've been up to and let me swing it over to the nerd bomber to start us off all right so first of all i do want to give a shout out so this episode is dropping on wednesday of the fourth day of march and tomorrow on thursday if you guys tune in to the Bingeables podcast, Tactic and I guested on their show talking about The Good Place. So they'll be dropping a spoiler-free episode and a spoiler episode where we went in depth and kind of dissected the entire show. So definitely look out for that. That was a really fun recording session. Now, um, did they did they specifically say that they didn't want me? I just I No, but I don't think you had watched the show. And we had I only watched part of it, yeah. Yeah, so we had watched the entire show and you were ready to go on at the end of February when we recorded it. So we'll have to get your thoughts. You'll have to listen in and then watch the show and let us know what you think. I will do that. Anyways, continue. Sorry. Um, And then this is kind of like a combined, what are you up to? But Tectic and I really got into Apple TV plus series. So with the new iPhone 11 that I was just talking about, it came with the one year free trial of Apple TV plus. And I think it, the ability to get that, was expiring so i finally applied for it and like signed up and everything and so i wanted to dig into some of the series that i've been hearing about and we watched two of them tactic tell us about the first one so the first one we watched was a show called mythic quest and it's basically a story of a gaming company but if you want to hear more i'd like you guys to check us out on patreon for that but all in all it's a hilarious story of a bunch of different characters and their adventures with developing a game similar to world of warcraft and some of the strife and camaraderie that they go through yeah, i recommend it very silicon valley vibes but focused on gaming so yeah like tactic said we did a the february bonus segment for the podcast on our patreon patreon.com slash online warriors podcast for a dollar you can get that fun episode um and then the other show that we watched and binged we watched literally both of these they were like 10 to 12 episodes each they only had one series or one season so we watched both of these series in the last week um we also watched the morning show which was the show with reese witherspoon and steve carell and jennifer aniston basically examining it was almost kind of like it was definitely based on the today show and the stuff that happened with matt lauer and then obviously fictionalized and dramatized from there and very interesting show. I would say if you watch anything like The Newsroom, this would probably be 
up your alley. There's a lot of connivory going on and plotting and a lot of drama and uh, just a really interesting exploration of a lot of the stuff that's going on with, you know, people like Matt Lauer and that entire movement. And it's kind of eerily creepy, some of the stuff that they pulled directly from real life. And you, you'd wonder how a person can be that way and so perverse. So I highly recommend it. And by the way, that is where I got the quote about stabbing in the front as opposed to the back. Yeah, I will there say there were it. some really good dramatic performances. Like Jennifer Aniston, you t- typically think of her as just comedy. You think of her as Rachel from Friends. And I know she's had several different roles. But even like she's done a lot of stuff alongside Adam Sandler. So you think of her more as like a comedic actor. And I would say this was a really great performance from her. Just getting really digging down deep and finding the more dramatic side of her character. She had some really outstanding just solo performances on the show that I would definitely recommend. Just like meltdowns, which were very realistic. And you could just see like I could envision her actually being a real person. I guess so okay it's, it's it seems like it's a tv centered update for all of us this week look to, to, to the listeners i have never been more urgently asking for you to reach out to me on twitter i need to talk to people about love is blind i'm oh I'm my in gosh the zone where yeah which which i, I forgot about got, that i got nerd bomber to watch this too i hate you guys i've been so this much. entire day because of you it is, I mean, uh, there, there's just, there's too much to go through. We don't have time, but, but the long story short is I watched this show. I didn't actually didn't watch it. I, I started watching it before Nerd Bomber and then I told Nerd Bomber to watch it and she watched all of it in a day and then I finished it up over the weekend, but what a, what a ride. I mean, it, it's, it's a bananas show for so many reasons. Uh, I would recommend it if you, if you like reality TV and if you're okay with having your IQ dropped a few points it's really fun it's really fun everyone's a caricature on that show and there's just a lot of moments that are going to have you wondering what the heck is going on with uh, humanity i guess so that's one um a more serious show that i've been watching is called undone which i try to remember i don't think i mentioned this last week but I think you uh, might have i might have so I'll, I'll keep it brief but I'm, I'm still on that undone rotoscoping animation it's super cool on amazon prime so go check that out so okay, now I really want to dig into Love is Blind. This is terrible. Oh, we okay, need to do like an introspective or something we, at some point. Just, can, I, can I give mine? Because I literally have a five minute snip of what I got it. Because I came home when, when, when Nerd Bomber was finishing it up and literally heard like three You got things. the weddings. You got the weddings. So what, from what I've seen, the show is about... Some, are there spoilers in this description at all? I'm just going to say what my interpretation from just walking past the television is. So, so, so maybe. <laughs> so it's basically about a show where there's this girl who's 10 years older than this guy. Is that accurate? <laughs> yeah, Jessica. Okay, nailed it. Her name's, her name's Jessica. So um, see, 10 minutes, you can get the whole show. So basically, yeah, to kind of run through the premise, I'll run through the premise and then we, Nerd Bomber, we each get to say one thing. Uh, the okay, premise is good. the premise is that ten ten men and ten women are put into what are called pods, which are these rooms that are adjoined to each other with one shared wall, and you can't see through it. And they talk they talk to you know respective potential partners and build connections without seeing the person. And they do this over a course of ten days. And at the end of the ten days, or before the end of the ten days, if they feel so infatuated, uh, the men propose 
to the women and decide and to get married within like a month so this is a super compressed time scale the whole show takes place in like a month and uh essentially then that's like the first two episodes two or three episodes and it's a nine episode thing and the other nine the other six episodes are based on like they go on like a honeymoon before the wedding they go back they start living together and they meet their each other's families and like kind of slowly uh go back into real life and see if the relationships they built in like five minutes holds up and um as you can imagine it it gets crazy uh the one thing i want to say about it is um oh man there's there's so many choices here and i want to do it without giving spoilers too um don't feed your dogs wine there oh my god yeah that was one of the most enraging parts of the show that i saw um i would say without giving any spoilers that while there was a specific character who was very very bad and just like a kind of a bad person the entire time her partner was just as culpable because he should have known like she told him a lot of times that she didn't like him and then that caused a lot of drama and strife because he was very insistent on being like well i love you so we're doing this so nerd bomber and i have had very that may sound vague to all of you but it's not vague to if you've watched it you probably know exactly who she's talking about and nerd bomber and i have had many conversations about this so suffice to say go watch it you can watch it in a day don't watch if, it if, if, there if is, you're nerd bomber <laughs> there um, is a person who raps for his future mother-in-law i have to oh, put that in there oh yeah that was just does. like a wow moment that happened it was well. spectacular uh i, I think next we're gonna it. watch i think next we're gonna watch the circle because i've heard the circle is kind of similar and like also just crazy so shout out to netflix for putting together some great reality content anyways um we should move on to our game but before we do i I would be remiss if i did not go through the results from the fantasy movie league uh, our second last week of the season here and uh, congrats to nerd bomber nerd bomber pulled out her first win in what i think is quite a while actually yeah i feel like Uh, i've when i don't forget i usually get in the top tier but i haven't won in a while so nerd bomber came in first place this week with 57 million spitfire just behind with 56 and a half devin reed with 56 and i'm in fourth place at 54 and a half go me uh florida hawk at 52 mecha yoda at 32 our good friend ben at 31 tactic looks like you might not have remembered to fill out your lineup so you got a solid 21 million yeah i was just thinking i forgot (laughs) well you beat hipster pop geek uh with 19 and uh secret asian man with 2 million so looking at the overall, uh, how it's shaping up, Hipster Pop Geeks still maintaining that lead, even though it looks like they may have forgotten to set their lineup this week, too. Uh, at $749 million. Nerd Bomber down at 712 so you're, you're right in second place now. Uh, Florida Hawk with 709 Devin Reed with 671.5, and Mecha Yoda with 640 So, Tactic, you have fallen out of the top five. Uh, what, what a fall from grace that was, but it can happen yeah, very but- quickly. Uh, guys there's never been a better time to get into fantasy movie league you have a test week the last week of this season you can come in see how the system works pick your movies for your cineplex see how it goes develop a system and then hit the ground running in the next season so if you want to do that you can head on over to fantasymovieleague.com look up our league which is the online warriors podcast and the password to get into that locked league is podcast all lowercase now for those of you who were not with us last week 
I want to make another mention of uh, the greatest game comeback that ever took place on on the Online Warriors podcast. Uh, I came back and I, I beat Nerd Bomber and I will be running the quiz this week. And per our Patreon producer, the topic this week in our lie detector test is volcanoes. Now, a couple of ground rules. These are all, well, at least all the real ones. Uh, these are all uh, American volcanoes. I had to limit the scope. Uh, there are a lot of volcanoes in the world. That's one of my learning experiences uh, throughout this process. Um, I also avoided... Uh, well, no, I shouldn't say that. That's that's gonna that's gonna give things away. I have ten in front of me, and uh, Nerd Bomber, you will go first because ladies first. And let's start things off with Black Peak. Mm, can I? Did it, uh, can Tactic go? That's true. Apparently real. Go. I'm gonna say false. Tactic is on the board. That one is real. It is so simple that it sounds fake but it is real that's why i was struggling with it i was just like oh this could go either way and i wasn't prepared uh, i do- also i want to make a note i don't have the info in front of me but i think like most of the real ones are from alaska alaska has a lot of volcanoes there's at least one from oregon um and some other states are sprinkled in as well but anyways oh, that's Peak. a huge hint thank you but alaska's so cold they got a lot of they got a lot of volcanoes i guess they have a lot of mountains and some of them happen to be volcanoes i don't know let's do another one mount graham Okay, I think this is false. Fake. I too think it's fake. Okay, you both got me. Uh, this is actually the name of a mountain from the Lord of the Rings universe. Um, which is weird, because it doesn't sound like that, but it is. Uh, so you're both getting points there. Tactics still in the lead. Now let's move on to Crooked River Caldera. Can you use it in a sentence? I went down to the Crooked River Caldera and I got burned by magma. Lava. Magma is when it's under the underground, so it would be lava. That is real. I'm going to be a contrarian. Actually, I lied. I'm going to say that's real, too. Good call, Nerd Bomber. It is real. So you maintain your one-point deficit. That one is in Oregon. I remember that very specifically. Uh, next, Mount Malakili. That is Nerd Bomber's turn. I'm going to say this one is fake. That is real, real because there's tons of volcanoes in Hawaii, and that sounds super Hawaiian. But it does sound like you made it up, but I want to widen the gap. I made it up. So, Nerd Bomber, you get the yes. point. Uh, I was going, for, I was specifically going for the Hawaiian route, so you got me there. Uh, but Malakili is actually the name of the fat guy that trains the Rancor in Star Wars Return of the Jedi. So, gotcha, I guess. I read it all over the wall that that was fake, but I wanted the opportunity to widen the gap. Let's try uh, Chichen Itza. Tactic, I think this one is all you. Let's go real again. Um, I'm going to say that this one is fake again. This is fake. Well done, Nerd Bomber. You've taken the lead. Chichen Itza is actually the name of an ancient Mayan city. I don't know exactly where it is, so don't ask me any more questions than that. Can so, I have the latitude and longitude? Taking, <laughs> Just taking the lead. I'm sure it's in South America somewhere. Taking the lead. Well done. Uh, we have five left. We're halfway through. It's a dead heat right now. Uh, let's do Mount Shasta. I'm going to say this one is fake. <sighs> I gotta, I got Shasta sounds like Shasta, brah. Um, but I have to keep trying to close the gap, so I'm going to go real. It's real. So, actually, really? the, the, the reason I take this one, Shasta, isn't Shasta like a, a budget cola? Shasta, isn't it like a, I feel like it's like a grocery store uh, Coca-Cola. So that's why I picked it, but they probably named it after the mountain. This one, I believe, is in uh, Washington. 
let's keep it going with blueberry butte butte is spelled b-u-t-t-e so it looks like butt but it's it's butte if you're not familiar with that word real i'm going to say this one is fake this one's fake totally made it up uh no real explanation for i was gonna say fake but then when you did the spelling like you're reading it off something that threw me off well i am reading it off something but it doesn't mean it's real worst person i gotcha uh (laughs) nerd bomber takes the lead again we got three to go this is this is tight uh let's try caradras peak i'm gonna say this one is a real one was the last one you did real or fake uh the last one i did was fake then this one pause for dramatic effect is also fake this one is also fake. Wow, you guys are going back and forth. Wow. Uh, so Caradras Peak is actually a mountain, again, from Lord of the Rings. And this one's actually in the movies. The other one wasn't. Okay, so we have two left, and it's five to five. You guys are both, first of all, you're both doing really well. I clearly didn't do a very good job. But it's it's tied, so it's anyone's game at this point. I would uh, argue you're doing a great job because we're both picking complete opposites. So we're all over the place. You have us on our toes. That is true. Um, well, thank you for the for the props. I'm a, I'm a volcano expert now. Let's do Mount Shishaldin. I'm going to go with real. I feel like this one... Shoot, I want to say this one's real too. But this doesn't give me an opportunity to widen the gap. Screw it. It's real. Okay, you're both correct. This is real. Uh, and that one is definitely in Alaska. So, we've one left and you guys are tied. So, you might make me have to look up tiebreakers on the fly. Uh, we'll see. Palms are sweaty, knees weak, mom's spaghetti. I think what we're going to do, and what we're going to do, since you guys are tied, there's no first ups now. I, I'm, I'm gonna, we're going to do a three, two, one. You guys are going to say your answer because I don't want any, any. But I have to think about it. Okay, we'll have like. That's, well, that you can think about it, but I'm saying you can't be influenced by Nerd Bomber's answer and vice versa. So you have to say it at the same time. Just let me know when you're ready. So, uh, Nova Rupta. Okay, I'm ready. I'm also ready. Count us down. Okay, three, two, one. Fake. Fake. Shit. Sorry. <laughs> it's fine. You're both wrong, guys. It's real. <laughs> so I have to look up uh, another tiebreaker, and we're going to have to do that again. So just... Uh, you could do a global volcano to make it easy for you. Uh, sure. Get some Italian gonna, volcanoes up in there. I'm just going to Google list of volcanoes. How about that? But then, like, we know that this one is real because you're Googling it. Just because I'm Googling it doesn't mean I'm going to go with one that's here. All right. That's fair. That's look, fair. I can, look, I, 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 yeah, I, I can do this. Don't underestimate me. Tough is your uh, middle name. Sorry. Okay. I read that off a Hall's rapper. Okay. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Mount Chiginagak. <laughs> so, so, okay, so he's dying over here. <laughs> so I'll say it one more time. Mount Chiginagak. Now, again, we're going to do a three, two, one. Tactic, are you ready? <laughs> no, I just can't stop laughing about this name. Oh, okay. All right. Let's do this. Okay. Three, two, one. Fake. Real. Okay. So it's real. So Nerd Bomber wins. Uh, oh, yeah. I had oh, such a hard yeah. time saying that name without laughing. That one's also in Alaska. Wow. Mount Chickenagak. <laughs> I am the volcano expert, baby. Woo, woo. Guys, that was pretty intense. I'm, I'm proud of you both. Um, Would you say the tension was almost about to erupt? Chiginagak. It was. It was, <laughs> it was volcanic. I don't know. I I can't make any puns. So the Chiginagak. I'm still laughing about that. That's um, all you really need to say. You're right. Chiginagak. Well, um, it's been real. Uh, we want to thank you guys all for joining us as usual. 
well, I shouldn't say as usual, maybe for some of you, it's your first time, but we hope it won't be your last. And, uh, we would love for you to go leave us a review on Apple podcasts. Uh, however you felt about this, obviously we'd like for it to be positive, but you can't always get what you want. And again, hit us up on the social media if you want to chat with us in between episodes. And in the meantime, we will see you all next week. Adios. Bye.